The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush and this is IGN's Podcast Beyond, our weekly PlayStation show where we go over all the greatest and latest things happening in the world of PlayStation, even when they take a year off from E3 <laughs> like some lazy jerks. But we still have plenty to talk about from the show. Joining me this week for episode 595 is Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Yet again. And Tom Marks. Beyond. Beyond, Tom. Thank you for joining us as well. I'm going to take the names off the screen before someone gets mad at me that I accidentally leave them on all episode long. Uh, Before we dive into episode 595, I do want to mention if you're watching the video version, yes, the camera quality is still not great. That's because a lot of our equipment is still boxed up from E3. So things are in transit. We're using a lesser camera currently. And don't worry about the the chair. It's fine. There's a red weird. I was very aware of the chair. (laughs) That's right. I appreciate that. This is is off to a great start already. And then, so of course, we have that going on. We'll have the camera hopefully back to normal next week. Um, And also, the computer with all of our sound effects is gone. So I don't have sound effects to play. So I may call on one of you randomly (gasps) to do jingles for me. Oh, no. I haven't warned you in advance of that, so just be prepared. Okay. Um, but before we get to any jingles or anything like that, I want to one just, how are you guys doing? We're back from E3. It's the second day back in the office. I'm alive. Yeah. We're alive. I think that like there's just a general feeling of being grateful hmm. for being alive because E3, now E3 is a wonderful time and I'm always, you know, this, this was my eighth E3. I'm always very, very, very grateful to be there. I know it's a privilege. I know it's an extraordinary experience, um, but it's also a lot of work. It's also a lot of work and, you know, it's it's quite, it takes a toll on the body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so every year after E3 is over, I'm just like, wow, I made it. And also... We were just saying, knock on wood, knock on wood. Is this wood? I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think any of this office is like... There's yeah, no it's wood. Like, yeah, it's all yeah. synthetic. We have brick and plastic. That's it. Um, no one got sick. Yeah. As far as we can tell. Which is kind of crazy. I think <laughs> we can probably talk about that a little bit of our suspicions, maybe why no one got sick mm. in this weird year of E3. Um, but before we get to that, a couple other things to mention. Uh, Max and Brian are not on this week. They happen to be at a shoot in Miami. They decided, hey, we've been traveling for a, a week. shoot, a shoot, a video shoot. They're on the beach. Yeah, probably. No, they're probably working very hard. I would imagine a little of both. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're both out shooting for this week. And then, of course, unfortunately, Max, I mean, not unfortunately for him, he's going on vacation next week. So he won't be on next week's episode either. Uh, we'll have him back eventually. So for those asking about 
uh, our judgment thoughts. One, I don't believe the embargo on judgment is up. I don't have information specifically on it, purposefully so, because I don't know if I'm allowed to say what information there may be about any sort of embargo. But we can't talk about it this week. Max won't be here to talk about it next week, but we will definitely have him here to talk about it soon. Uh, some other people are also asking me, of course, about Crash Team Racing. We can't talk about that just yet. Also, embargoes and such, but that comes out Friday, I believe. So after Friday, we'll be able to talk about it um, probably next week's show. Um, other than that, though, I think that covers embargo questions I've been getting since we got back. Oh, and for those who were wondering why we didn't have a show last week, of course, E3 was happening. We didn't have a live show slot for Beyond. Uh, the other shows did because PlayStation wasn't reasons. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot goes into planning the programming of our live show. It's a very heavily structured thing. And obviously, without a PlayStation show, it just didn't make sense for them to throw in a Beyond. We did record... An episode of Beyond on Thursday night, the final night of E3 last week. It's an audio-only episode uh, that I will be putting up this week. It uh, was worn out of my love for old episodes of Drunk Beyond, uh, which used to be a tradition here that we haven't done in a couple of years. It's not quite a Drunk Beyond. I would say it's more like a tipsy Beyond. <laughs> I mean, as it, as speaking it goes on. from a, a guest perspective, I would say it was... Yeah, it was Some, a little tipsy. A little tipsy, yeah. By by the end of the second hour. I think it's like uh-huh. roughly a three-hour show. Okay. By the end of the second hour, and there will also be some interstitials from uh, earlier in the week where I recorded just our descent into delirium for that. So look, You captured some prime crazy moments. There's some really funny stuff. Yeah. Um, I had a really fun time recording that episode i hope you enjoy it it is a wide ranging like our impressions of e3 but also just a snapshot of our mental brains during (laughs) e3 so we will be going over impressions here of some of the biggest stuff at e3 of course because that show for reference it weirdly ended up having you know we had uh, members of beyond unlocked and nvc on it so we go over kind of everything at the show it's not just playstation specific so look forward to that i'll definitely let everyone know on twitter on instagram on facebook everywhere uh when that episode goes up but look forward to that that'll not be a numbered episode that'll just be a fun little interstitial if i may yes it's chaos but it it was actually a lot of it's fun. were you there I, the whole time Tom? uh i was there the whole time that so. we sat down to record yeah. yeah except for the moments which people won't be able to hear where i had to like run to my hotel room to drop something off or like <laughs> get tea or anything it's like a that. very like moving parts episode there's yeah. a lot of coming in and coming out of conversation it's a lot of back and forth i just remember like i was on it and then i was like i'm going to leave now yeah you're like i'm gonna go get another drink <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. and jr like went outside and then we didn't see you for like an hour but like that's what happened on the last night of your three no no one was under obligation for that episode yeah um yeah, yeah. and of course uh they flew out of town so again max and brian were not on that episode just setting the stage for that. Uh, and of course, this is a long announcement setting up everything, but I do want to mention also, so I know I've been mentioning for the last few weeks, Beyond 600 is of course coming up and Beyond 600 is still coming up. Unfortunately, and I, you don't know how much this breaks my heart to have to say, we are unable to do a live event like we were hoping to do in San Francisco uh, next week was our hope. We unfortunately, due to timing, due to other obligations for people in the office, um, a large part of it comes down to live shows are a very heavy toll on our video and our production teams. uh, And the timing could not be worked out to have them in between Gamescom and Comic-Con and E3 and all the planning and all the outages and all of that. We were unfortunately not able to be able to use the space to do that. And as someone who has, of course, loved all of the live Beyond Anniversary episodes, it crushes my heart to have to be able to tell you that. I It seemed like things were there. It was sort of one of those everything is 95% locked down in those weeks, and that's why I felt comfortable saying it. And then that 5% during E3 reared its ugly head, and we unfortunately were unable to make everything come together and gel and work. Um, 
it bums me out so, so much. It really, really does because obviously we want to do something special and our intention is still very much to do something special for Beyond 600. Uh, we are roughly five episodes away. We will be planning things. We will be involving as much of the community as we can in that episode in whatever forms we think make the most sense and are most easily able to do. Obviously, the regular work week and outages happen, but I think we're going to hopefully still be able to put together a really fun commemorative 600th episode. It's an insane milestone. And as someone who's been listening to the show since episode one, I would not want to let it pass without something hugely, you know, emblematic of how big of an achievement it is that the show has run for that long. Um, so again, I am so, so sorry that I know I've been talking about it. 600 still is coming. We're so close and I do want it to be as special as it can be. It just unfortunately can't be special in the live form. Um, but it's still going to be awesome. Yeah, we're still, still going to be awesome. Still prepping, still planning. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in the office that like I will be in the office that week. Things will be happening. We'll be planning stuff in the weeks beforehand to make it work and come together. So I you'll hear more from me about that as those things do come together, but it just won't be a live show. And again, I'm so, so sincerely sorry about that, but I'm really excited by what we're going to put together and by the show we have this week. And unfortunately, I can't transition with a jingle. <laughs> So instead of a jingle, what I'm first going to do is ask for a shout-out opportunity to give you both time to prepare a news crunch jingle that you'll have to sing yourselves. Um, a few of the last few weeks on this show, we've been asking you occasionally to give shout-outs to someone who we – a friend in the extended Beyond family uh, for all the good work they do, something silly, something nice to say to them. We've uh, called out Jared, Petty, and Barrett Courtney, former producer. Uh, this week, I want you to, if you're listening – to this episode or watching this episode, please reach out to Miranda Sanchez on our yes. team. Yes. Uh, she is at Havoc Rose on Twitter, mm. uh, which is H-A-V-O-K-R-O-S-E. And say, hey, Miranda, your Gears 5 IGN First coverage is amazing. Say that in some form or another. Uh, just let her know she's doing an amazing job. Um, I want to continue to put out positivity in the world when it seems like negativity is wrapping at our door every day. So... Please do that. Uh, please say hi to her. She's doing a tremendous job. She was putting up these stories during E3 in addition to all the other crazy, amazing E3 coverage she was doing. Uh, it was incredible the amount of work she puts in. It's always incredible. She is easily one of the best, if not the best of us. <laughs> she is undoubtedly w- one of my favorite people in this office, and you should absolutely be reading and watching her work if you haven't already. So be sure to reach out to her. Again, that's H-A-V-O-K-R-O-S-E. And please give her some love. Yeah, no, Miranda's absolutely killing it. And I just, I also just want to take a moment just to give everyone working who worked at E3 a a, a shout out. I think our team really crushed it this year. Um, We always, I feel like we always crush it. But, uh, you know, sometimes I, I see like people, people love to like put the boot into IGN a little bit occasionally. You know, it's like kind of a sport to a lot of people on the fringes of, of YouTube and stuff like that. And 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 as much as I I, I get that it's fun, um, just being part of this team and seeing how we deliver every year and how much passion and and love and uh, joy there was at E3 this year. Um, and expertise there was at E3 this year um, was an incredible sort of thing to to be part of. And yeah, I just. You know, we, we see the negative stuff on, on Twitter a lot and I just kind of want to just throw it out that we're a pretty amazing team and, yeah, it was a 
pleasure to be part of it. You both knocked it out of the park this year. As um, did you. Yeah, As did you, Dono. You really did. Um, thank we you. Just, we were it. you know, at the forefront of news, and it was, it was yeah, an amazing thing to be thank you. To, to see. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you both did phenomenal work. The entire team did amazingly. Um, Lucy, we will talk about the game a little bit, but obviously, like, things kicked off for you on, like, a personal coverage note of, like, with Dying Light 2 preview coverage yeah. and into the rest of the show, and obviously making sure we had such amazing constant and very to-the-minute features work that we were following up on stuff so smartly and so quickly, and that was amazing. And Tom, stop being so good at your job. Um, I think we all suck. Okay, good. (laughs) Bring us back down to earth. I appreciate that. Um, No, you killed it this year with, of course, I know it's a little bit of deja vu, but with Cyberpunk. um, Yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, of how you basically, it was the same thing you kind of had to do last year, but you got to interview Keanu Reeves. I did do that. Oh my and god! We do talk can we, about that. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, we do talk a lot about it on the Drunk Beyond, but I've uh, not up yet. Okay, we can talk about that in a second. You got to interview Keanu Reeves, of course, after the reveal that he is in Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I did and, that. Thing. And he's just the worst man, right? No, he's he just was meaningful. pretty terrible. Yeah, um, well-known terrible man, yeah. Keanu yeah. Reeves. Very cold, gave him his side eye the whole time. <laughs> uh, no, no, he was great. He was really nice. Um, it definitely was the feeling like he wasn't like giving me a hug toward a nice. It was just like he was super down to earth and super like willing to talk about stuff and definitely uh, willing to talk about what he could talk about. And then the the thing that, you know, I interview, we all interview a lot of people. I interview a lot of people and you can always tell when someone just either doesn't want to be there or isn't, doesn't really care about the thing they're talking about. And like, you could very clearly tell that Keanu Reeves is not really a gamer, right? Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really play many games, but he was so genuinely enthusiastic about this game and about the role he was playing in it. And I, I really appreciated that because it was like, he doesn't have to, like, like he was so amazed when we were talking, and he kind of talked about this on the stage of the Microsoft conference a little bit too, about this idea of like, he was really impressed by the idea that you could like pick your path and if you wanted to be a hacker you could be a hacker if you wanted to like go guns blazing you could do that and that just really impressed him and it's like i'm super happy keanu that you're discovering rpgs and player choice in 2019 like that's not a new thing but like he was so in, like genuinely enthused by it that it was just infectious and it was like very very cool so yeah it was it was a lot of fun so what you saw on stage very much translated to the interview. Yeah, he was just having a blast on stage, wasn't he? Yeah, he really <laughs> was. But like that's that was what was so wonderful about it, I think, um, is that, yeah, obviously it, it was great to see Keanu, but he could have just like duh, 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 gone onto the stage, said two lines, trod it off. It could have been the Yoko Jack. and Paul. Well, exactly. Sort of you know, very much like let's go and like, get my money and yeah. I'll do the obligatory thing. But instead he was very passionate and, you know, it, it was very infectious. And I'm yeah. so pleased to hear that that was what he was like in the interview. Yeah, and I, I don't think that was put on. I think he mm. just – I think he genuinely – he's famous enough and probably wealthy enough. I don't know that but from any experience thing or anything, but like probably wealthy enough that – he can just pick the roles he wants to take. And apparently CD Projekt approached him about this and gave him an opportunity to collaborate a little bit on what the character would be like and how it would behave. And he said he really liked the idea that it wasn't just his face, but he was actually going to be mo-capping and like doing the movements in it. And uh, yeah, he just sounded really like into it. Did he say whether any of the scenes were with Lady Gaga? Or... <laughs> no, no I that think, still remains. A... I think we can put that rumor to bed at this point. We'll see. But wasn't the late, wasn't the Lady Gaga rumor sort of, didn't it spring from someone saying there's a big 
unexpected celebrity or was it specifically always Lady Gaga? The Lady Gaga thing so, sprung from yeah. a couple things. Yeah. Somebody claimed that they saw her going into their office in oh. in Warsaw. Is that where they're from? I believe so. I'm sorry. I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway, someone claimed they saw her going into that office and then – a million years ago, there was a tweet interaction between her and CDPR about something, and so everyone started drawing the conclusions. And there might have been that celebrity rumor. I don't know that part, but well, La- Lady Gaga is she's she she plays video games, right? like she's a right. gamer, like right. she loves Bayonetta. That's the one I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> like her Bayonetta. one. You know, right. she, so yeah, uh, and yeah. and they are in War- Warsaw. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, and we do know that Keanu signed on to this project in like July of last year. So he's been on it for a year. So if there were celebrity rumblings, probably that's who they're men. Yeah, I would assume so. Uh, that was more just a joke about it. But I think this is a good enough time to jump into News Crunch, which I want to do a little differently this week and kind of talk about the biggest PlayStation 4 related games that were at E3 before we get into some larger genera- uh, general topics about E3 and PlayStation. And so with that, Lucy, please give me a News Crunch jingle. Okay, this is from my memory of the actual jingle. Okay. Extra, extra, read all about it. Ha, 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 ha. News Crunch. (laughs) Ronnie, please turn that into a new (laughs) News Crunch jingle. Thank you very much. Is that about right? You were close, yeah. I feel like maybe I got the laugh and then News Crunch around the wrong way, but like... I don't think he says news. I think it's just a crunch, if I remember correctly. (laughs) But that's just kind of where it came from. Um... But yeah, thank you. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, yes, most so, welcome. <laughs> of the games I wanted to talk about, obviously there was not a lot of PlayStation news out of E3 2019, though there is one piece of kind of possibly big PlayStation news I, want, I do want to talk about in a bit. But first, let's talk about basically, I think, three or four of the biggest PlayStation 4 games. At least we know they're coming to PS4 for now. Uh, PS5 may change that. But let's start with Cyberpunk. Uh, we all yeah. saw the demo, correct? Mm-hmm. Lucy, you saw it as well. Yep. Uh, Tom, obviously, you did our coverage for it. I saw it as well. We came back with our jackets and such. I, did, I missed but out on the jacket. You didn't get a jacket? I didn't get the oh, jacket. Uh, go <laughs> for 400 bucks on eBay and you're fine, apparently. Don't do that. Don't do that. CDPR actually said explicitly don't yeah. do that because they're going to be selling a jacket that looks like it. Yes, fair warning. I had my ticket to get it. the jacket, but I had to bounce from that demo like five uh, minutes early, mm-hmm. so I missed out. Yeah. Well, CD you did Project see- Red, if you're listening, I still think I have that ticket somewhere if I can cash it in. <laughs> thank you. Please and thank you. Since you did see most of the dem- new demo itself, uh-huh. uh, why don't you and Tom, you guys give me your impressions of it. Uh, for those who don't know, it was a new 50-ish minute demo of Cyberpunk. We got to see a new region of Night City, Pacifica, uh, and we essentially were led through a mission and a big point of what they were showing us was the idea of how you can differently approach missions. So they had two different character builds, one with a male and one with a female V and they would show sort of different builds, one more like fighter, one more techie and show you kind of how they would approach it. So what did you both think of what they showed us? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I thought it looked amazing. I think cyberpunk is going to be an amazing game. Um, I think that it wasn't quite as strong a demo as last year's demo. Uh, I wasn't like, oh my God, this is so new and ambitious and vital as I was last year. I thought that there was quite a, like, there was a bit more focus on sort of like gunplay and combat and stuff like that. And I was, I'm less interested in that because I know what that looks like as I am in, in sort of world building and that sort of thing. So yeah, I thought it was a very, very impressive demo, but it just wasn't as, it wasn't showing me anything as incredibly sort of new, um, 
because when I came out of that booth last year, I was like, game of show, game of show, game yeah. of show. Like I had like a, you know, like a, almost like a nervous tick for like hours after. I was like, game of show, game of show. It was really disconcerting, show. honestly, last year. I, was <laughs> I know, yeah. It, it took a while. I thought I was going to have to be hospitalized. But like, honestly, it, it was still a really impressive demo. Uh, I, again, think it's shaping up to be something incredible. Um, but yeah, it wasn't blow your socks off. Last year set right. the bar so high. Yeah. yeah. I think that's part yeah. of what it was, is that last year was so immediately unexpected and yeah. impressive and, mm-hmm. oh my God, we were seeing it for the first time and no one else could see it and no one else in the world had seen it and it was it was so – it set the bar so high that this year was essentially just a good demo of an incredibly cool-looking game and as a result, we were like, yeah, that's cool. And it's like not a not a sign of how the game looks. It was just like you you could literally never hit that bar. Yeah, I don't think any of us came out of that demo being like, oh no, Cyberpunk's look, looking in rough condition now. What no, are, what? no, exactly. I think I think um, the thing to sort of accentuate here is that uh, when you're at E3 and you're seeing these demos, is you're not re- you're not always thinking this. How is you know this. This game is shaping up to look amazing. This game is shaping up to look terrible. Like you're just continually sort of going from demo to demo. And often some games that may be pretty average demo spectacularly. Like like yeah. some games that end up to be kind of like middle of the road demo incredibly well and you're just oh, yeah. like wow that's that was such a amazingly well put together experience. One, and of, one so, of my favorite demos last E3 was Anthem. Right. That game demoed amazingly yes, well. Yeah. And some uh some games that are probably going to be you know game, games of generation uh demo fine. And it's just like it, 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 it's it's because companies put so much stock into these particular sort of like vertical slices of, of their games and they're not always emblematic of what the final product will be uh, but you know you can't help but judge especially if one game had such an incredible presence at the you know the year before uh, they're not always going to live up as you say live up to that high bar yeah and that doesn't mean that like we're saying oh it's going to be like cyberpunk's gonna be crap it's just that it it demoed fine it it was more of well i I think it's gotten to the point where obviously because it is such a game we've talked about so much Mm. and picked apart so Mm -hmm. much from what we have seen it's kind of one of those things where i think we're all itching to be like okay i just want to actually play it now it's yeah like i'm so glad to have seen 50 more minutes for me the most interesting part was like seeing this new part of the city and exploring the different neighborhoods in the way that they explained how like the culture of pacifica had been grown up and how it was supposed to be this tourist destination and kind of a failed dream of that and all that sort of stuff was way more fascinating to me than seeing a few of the guns in play or seeing some of the special moves because for me that's going to be so much more interesting when i actually get to test them out i think but i think that's yeah that was my main thing with it it's just like i'm so much more interested in the world than I am in the combat I just think because the world is what fascinates me mm-hmm. you know the world is what the potential me for where what role I can play in the world too right yeah. well also and I'm excited for cyberpunk but the world is the only part that I think that they have definitively proven is cool so far like is, yeah. is gonna work yeah. like I, I this isn't saying that I think it's gonna be bad but I will not know based on either demo I've seen 
how fun the combat is or the driving is or any of those things are until I'm playing it myself. Yeah, yeah for Because sure. there was a section of this demo where the person rips a turret off of the ba- its base and starts using it as a minigun to start shooting people. And that was really cool thematically. And then there's this like two-minute stretch of them just kind of laying into dudes with a minigun. It doesn't look very interesting. Right? Like the combat didn't look bad. It just was like, is that a demoing problem or is that that the combat is maybe less spectacular than we think it is, right? Yeah. I think, I I mean, again, I think it's a demoing problem. Like, I just think that it was potentially just not the the particular vertical they should have focused on. Yeah. And I did really appreciate this demo going back and forth. I liked Mm -hmm. that they were like, here's a hacker kind of stealthy way to get through this. And now here's the same person, but instead of hacking, they're using strength and... I, I liked that they showed both of those paths. Again, that's not anything that's really brand new in a video game, but they, they seem to be doing it in a really, really cool way. And I think this demo did a good job of putting you in the shoes of what it's actually going to be like to play to a degree that the first demo didn't. Yeah, and I sure. and, and, and ultimately, it just got me more excited. But mm, yeah. there are a lot of questions that I just I just want to play the game to actually exactly. know. Yeah, and of course, uh, Cyberpunk was IGN's game of the show for E3. So again, I think any precautions that we have or any uncertainty that's in our voices is not, oh, we didn't enjoy it. It's just definitely like a, I want to play it now. Like, yeah, I want to definitely. see this thing the, in action outside of a 50-minute manicure demo. W- w- was it you I was talking to about how I, I can't think of another game that has shown two full hours of gameplay without letting anybody play it? Yeah. Right? This game has a release date and has shown two full hours of the game in behind closed doors demos that like that's crazy to me i don't i all vertical slices are usually like 20 30 minutes right Mm -hmm. but this is like they've shown us a a fair chunk of they've shown us the length of journey right for this game so yeah um and as you mentioned we do actually have a date now april 16th 2020 um so it is becoming more and more of a real game Again, we've seen two hours of gameplay, and I'm excited to actually play yeah. two and hopefully a lot more hours. I'm really excited. Even with a whatever-ish demo, there was not another game at E3 that I think I'm more excited for. Potentially, like, I'm, I'm really, really excited for Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think that'll be cool, but, like, yeah. And what a transition we have there. Final Fantasy VII was, of course, Nailed a major it. player at E3 this year. Um, after the re-reveal trailer from the State of Play a few weeks back, it was one of two marquee games, and we're going to talk about both of those marquee games from the Square Enix press conference, pretty much because everything else in between was a game that's already out. <laughs> so that was a press conference. But they opened with a sizable chunk of Final Fantasy VII remake info, gameplay, l- hints of what this package may be, though still uncertainty about what this package may be. Lucy, did you get to see the demo? I did not get to see okay. the demo. Um by all accounts, it was wonderful. Uh, I'm very excited by it. I really love what uh, Square has done with the combat in particular. And by all accounts, it works in in play. Yeah, so the combat, before going on too much, so the combat is a mixture of real-time and ATB, mm-hmm. where you kind of basically can pause time and choose your command. Yeah, so it definitely, like, it. it's kind of a great uh, sort of, product i shouldn't say that but it's a, it's a great combat system for those who grew up with the old uh atb system and those who are more familiar with the more kind of fluid free-flowing like final fantasy 15 uh combat system yes. and i think i i think it's hit a great middle ground i think it all looks wonderful uh again i, I won't speak too much to that because i didn't see the behind closed doors stuff uh what i can 
what well, well, I do have some questions around <laughs> around. I mean, uh, so many of us have questions around Final Fantasy VII because obviously it is going to be a very lengthy game. It's going to have enough content to spread across two Blu-ray discs, uh, but it is also the the official line that Square is using is is part one in this project. So the first game in this project. In this project meaning the project of bringing Final Fantasy VII to life in a modern day uh, games engine. But what uh, what I'm kind of confused by, and I think what Square is still figuring out, is how are we going to have part one be this big and this ambitious and explore, you know, the whole world, like the whole area of Midgar in such an incredibly, like, uh, detailed way. And then suddenly there's going to be a new generation of consoles and Square's going to be working on the second. They're still working on the first. Yeah. Square's going to be working on the second part while that new generation comes uh, and, and and everyone is slowly transitioning towards that. How, how, how are we all, how is that going to work? Like that's the thing that just I'm kind of, I'm, I'm so confused by. If this, if PlayStation 4 had just launched and Square was um, undertaking this project, or even in 2015 when it was originally announced, if Square was undertaking this project and it, and, and there weren't so many delays and, and, and you know, going the from one studio to... Exactly, like development yeah. had gone really smoothly. Um, it would have made more sense. But right now I'm just like, I just don't understand how, how this is going to work. It feels <laughs> like they are taking what was Final Fantasy 13 and those multiple releases... Mm. And making that big of a universe out of the one game they've already released. But, and in saying that, you know, this first thing is going to focus just on Midgar. It's going to expand what usually has been the first six to seven hours of the game to people. Which is very, very exciting. A full, yeah, like Mm -hmm. the the potential to explore this world that is obviously so beloved in such more detail. Hopefully there is enough there that they can actually create that is as interesting and memorable as what was there originally. That's obviously a big thing to see what will live up to and what won't. Uh, our nostalgia of that past stuff. I say hour and I've only played the first two hours of Final Fantasy seven, but <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird, it's such a weird time for this product specifically to come out because it is going to have to bridge that generational gap. And I do, we've talked about it a bit before in the past. I do think this transition to the new gen in terms of like adoption rate by players is going to be slower than it has in generations past. Um, so you could probably pretty easily, if episode two comes out in 2021, like this is coming out March 2020, they've had to put in all the work toward asset building and engine stuff and like all the base work that needs to go into this game. If they then can move to episode two and do that within a two year cycle, I could see that. Can still they do that within a two year cycle? I, I mean, that's the question, right? Well, so they brought production in house, I want to say. Not- well, it was announced 2017. He that it changed. Is that, that right? Yeah, I'm gonna check that. But it, it's no more than three years. Yeah, until now. So it's. I would say it's roughly about three years of production, in house. Take a year off of that because of all the work that had to go into sort of rebooting it and the technical stuff. But of course, there is the technical stuff. Of then moving to PS5 and other. yeah. So one of the weird things too is this is a PS4 exclusive debut. The press release. I think we've all been talking about it a bit, like it's a PS4 exclusive. The press release announcing the release date and everything says exclusive, like console first exclusive, like it's coming to PS4 first, which opens the door to other platforms, uh, especially as we get to a new gen. It, it's such a there's so many questions to me both on like the actual how this is going to go after 
episode one, whatever you want to call it. And also just the logistical side on the contract stuff. Like the, mm. the lawyer nerd in me that I've adopted from my father who is a lawyer wants to know like how screwed over was Sony by them delaying this game for multiple years and whatever agreements they had and how has that influenced how the game is going to be released from now on. That all is a mystery. Like it'd be weird if Final Fantasy VII Remake Episode One is coming out after Project, Project Scarlet is out, but it's coming to Xbox One then. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's ugh, there are so many challenges ahead of Square even before we see. You know, we've we've okay, great. We see we've seen the collector's edition. Uh, that's awesome, but the game is not finished. Like in our live show when we were interviewing um, them, you know, they were like, we are going to be going hard to hit that release date. Which makes me just want them to delay it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I would almost just like, oh, no, but then they'd have to start again. And like, oh, God, yeah. there are Just still, delay it to PS5. Only, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There are still a lot of, like, there's but, still a lot of hurdles. But I thought we heard a bit about PS5 stuff that it would be, like, easily... Like, didn't they say that it would be e- the, like, built on the same architecture? So Sony's like um, Sony has said previously too that they're going to like cross generational play is a really big thing for them, right? So I imagine there will be some sort of easy way to transition a save file from remake episode one to remake episode two if episode two is PS5 only. Um, I'm not. I mean, Mass Effect did it, you know? Yeah, Mass Effect did the. I'm just thinking of series that did the the generation. We job. also have a much better infrastructure now than we did back then. Oh, um, Halo. Like, it's heaps of games have done it. It's exactly. just, yeah, it's just, it's just a weird time. It's just it. weird because it's one game. Yeah. My, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, My concern is not even nearly as much about the platform switch in mm. the middle of all of this. It's just the idea that they don't know yet, right? Mm. That's the only part of this that concerns me more is that. It sounds a bit like what they're trying to do or what they're hoping is it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. Everybody wants it. It's going to sell well. We won't worry about that till later, and we're just going to make the sequels as they come, which is scary to yeah. me. It definitely, I would have been mm. much more confident regardless of platform stuff and regardless of next-gen stuff. I would have been much more comfortable if they had said, all right, here's the plan. Here's a these times and dates are gonna change, but probably this is gonna be a three part thing. The second part's gonna come out in 2022. We don't know what systems. The third part's gonna come out in 2025. That's what our plan is. Like even if they had given us a thing that was like that and just said this is crazy work in progress, but we've been thinking about it, it would have made me more at ease. Yeah, them mm. them saying in in interview, which I think the square then later replied with more of a official word on it but uh, <laughs> them saying in an interview essentially we don't know what comes next yeah is an odd proposition yeah i found i did find it square i mean obviously the messaging was really vague in square's um press conference about how it was going to roll out and i just found that very odd because you know that press conference was really early on in e3 obviously square was open to doing interviews uh, so what did they kind of expect was going to happen? Because of course everyone wanted to know. And I was getting, people were tweeting at me being like, uh, you know, is this is this the full game right out the gate or is it episodic? And I just think that's a bizarre question for people to still be having after you've like gone into the nitty gritty of like combat and into stuff the like that. Like, well, we like, even had to, we even had to like dig apart the Blu-ray disc comment because yeah. they said that and we were 
like it was kind of confusing what they meant. Did they mean this first part is two discs? Did they mean the whole project is two discs? Mm-hmm. Is the first part all Midgar? How long is that? Because they said it's a full-size game, but does that full-size game could be five hours, 10 hours, 30 hours, 60 hours. It doesn't like you have no idea. And it's interesting because I really, really loved what they showed this E3. Me too. Yeah. The gameplay they showed off, the depth they went into, the com- the fact that they basically just showed us a full boss fight. Like, I loved all of that, and I really appreciated it. And that has left us with the boring questions. Mm-hmm. Because the boring questions are, unfortunately, important. And we don't have the answers, and now we kind of have the answer to, like, okay, what is this game? And now we we need to know, well, okay, what, what comes next? How long is it? Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, it's a... It was a weird showing in that sense of like how it left us with so many questions, even though we saw so much of it. And obviously, if it hits its March release date, uh, we'll have more answers within a year. But yeah, it's a weird place to be at. Uh, Tom, what were you going to say? Well, and the the reason that it's so scary to me that they don't have a plan is because of its history, right? Mm. Because of the fact that it had this delay and this brought in house and development wasn't going well. The idea that they'd just be like, yeah, we're just going to make this game and figure it out leaves me with this lingering dread that we're going to get one part and then nothing else. Yeah. Right. And that would be so bad. Like I'd be so sad. And you can just imagine it becoming a cautionary tale. Right. And I don't want it to be. Yeah. And I don't necessarily like uh, clearly they've been doing a better job in house and they Mm. know what they're doing, but man, it's scary with a game that already had a checkered past to, to hear that they they're kind of flying well, by the like, their pants. Well, exactly, feeling and, their way, yeah. And speaking of, you know, Square's press conference opened with a game that we got a lot about, but also have so many questions left yeah. after its long development history. The show then ended with <laughs> a game that we saw a lot of, but still have a lot of questions about yeah. after its long development history, and that was Marvel's Avengers, uh, which is being developed by Crystal Dynamics, the Tomb Raider reboot team uh, in partnership with Marvel Games, who of course has been in partnership with Insomniac for Spider-Man for with other studios for projects recently. So we saw on stage two trailers. One was sort of like the introduction trailer where there was some talk about what's gameplay in here? Is anything gameplay in here? We can speak to that stuff. Um, that gave us a sense of what the game will look like, the story of it. Uh, and then there was a, another trailer that implied, hey, they mentioned on stage, you're gonna, we're going to keep adding more heroes to this game that you get to play, presumably, presumably and all that. Mm. Uh, and the first hint was Hank Pym, Ant-Man. Um, but they showed that. They talked a little bit about it on stage. We interviewed them on stage on the IGN Live show, talked to them afterwards. A few of us saw behind-closed-doors demos of the game, which was a 30-minute uh, guided gameplay experience. And after that, though, we are still kind of left wondering what the actual gameplay experience of Avengers is going to be like. Again, yeah, I think this was one of the – it left us with a lot of unanswered questions, but, like, really basic unanswered questions. Like, that's that's the thing that I was, like, I'm just so, like, confused by sort of Square's thing in general just because, like – Final Fantasy has oh, that's fantastic. Love seeing the combat. Loved like going into that sort of like level of detail. But also, what? <laughs> how are you going to roll out? Whereas with Avengers, it was kind of like, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is the package. But what is the game? Uh, like the actual demo was so vague, and 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 I understand to a certain degree focusing on the voice acting. Which they we also did. got that trailer, yeah, yeah, behind a lo- the scenes a lot, and yeah. that's like cool, cool, cool. 
you know, prestige voice acting, um, but that doesn't really mean much to me if I don't know what the actual game is. And so the demo we saw was about 25 to 30-ish minutes that seemed to, to me, be the tutorial level because, Mm -hmm. and we can get to it in a bit, this level essentially gave you small pockets of gameplay per the five Avengers that you'll get to play as, which are Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, and Hulk. And it kind of was the inciting incident for the game of its A-Day. We're celebrating the new Avengers headquarters on the West Coast in San Francisco. There's an attack and the five of them have to come together. And then so it alternated between their five gameplay styles. It seems based on what we've been told, though, you will get to pick your character who you want to play as and you can freely switch between uh, in between missions. But you'll get to pick the character you want to play per campaign mission and customize them with maybe different outfits. You can upgrade their abilities and there are sort of like a leveling system in there and you'll be able to really focus in on a specific character or two. But the demo we saw was just quick hits of each person's gameplay. And so we don't know what it's going to be like to play through a full campaign level. And then there's, of course, a co-op element to it that we didn't get to see any sort of form of that, where you'll be able to go off on, I think, specific missions and play with friends in co-op. If anyone from Crystal Dynamics, I know they're relatively close by, if anyone from Crystal Dynamics wants to come on the show to talk about it more, uh, open invitation. You are welcome to come by anytime. Because there's a lot of confusion, too, that was unfortunately not their fault that exactly. reported on, which yeah. was this uh, this E3 col- what is it called? Coliseum panel, mm-hmm. basically like a panel uh, that was going to be, had its description leaked before E3, and it was said something about, like, continuous single-player and co-op, and mm-hmm. so everyone got in their heads that it was going to be, like, this online game, and then the it's coming out now that it seems like it's maybe a lot more single-player-focused than everyone assumed or and everyone kind of the way they made it seem from that, but we still don't know because there's still not, like, a lot of clear answers because they didn't really tell us what the game is yet. They just sort of showed, like... Avengers that don't look like the movie Avengers but do look like the movie Avengers yelling at each other and that's all I got from it was that they had this big emphasis on story and they wanted you to know it's a story driven game and it's going to be very story driven because that's what people have been wanting I guess and so that's what they showed but they didn't show anything else the the mixed messaging of how integral co-op will be especially with that pre-leaked description how integral that will be how fun it will actually be to play together um what form that will take or whether it's not just us spamming attacks at at enemies or if there will be really interesting level design to it that all is still really up in the air and crystal is a team i really trust yeah like the tomb raider reboot and rise were phenomenal um and Marvel obviously had a really great partnership with Insomniac uh, and having spoken to some members of the Marvel Games team like Bill Roseman and a few other people, they obviously really care about these partnerships and really want to put value into it. I just feel like what they showed wasn't the best way to debut this game. But it doesn't mean that, that games ag- Again, this just I just I feel like again this comes back to the 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 pitfalls that E3 presents publishers and developers yeah. every single year because there's this pressure, especially when, you know, these publishers are holding these big, massive conferences that they need to fill with exciting content. There's this pressure to debut things that aren't ready to be debuted. And I feel like Final Fantasy VII and and the, the Avengers, like, just weren't ready. 
I just I feel like they weren't ready to be shown because because these messages were so mixed and because we were left so confused. Uh, you, you know, I just again, it's just another argument for why E three is becoming increasingly a problem for publishers and why publishers are bowing out of 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 the immense pressure that is put on their heads by attending. And that's and that's a really good point in all of this too is that even if we're getting it all wrong, even if this game is actually very good and doesn't th- this was a bad showing and that's kind of the whole story here, it was still that Right, like this was this was a hundred percent a marketing flub, regardless of the quality of the game, because it all it did was frustrate people and leave people confused and annoyed, and not really with a good sense of what this game is, unless you read every single interview from every outlet to start to piece this together, I, which you shouldn't have to do. Yeah, right. exactly. I really do hope that. Because, like, as a big Avengers fan, as a fan of the devs, as, like, someone who still sees the potential in this, I really hope we get a great preview beat of this game where it's like, hey, here's three hours of this game. You get to play, like, the kind of classic Sony preview beat that we get so often. Here's this three-hour chunk of the game. Play as whoever you want. Experience it. And we actually get a sense of it in that. And th- and this has happened a lot, right? With uh, I, the biggest thing to me was like Doom, Doom twenty sixteen. You remember they did a beta for that game where they did a multiplayer beta ahead of the release, and everyone was like, "This is terrible!" Like it was a really bad showing of that game because they just showed multiplayer, and everyone was expecting it to be an absolute bomb. And then the campaign ruled and was yeah. not indicative of what they had shown at all. And sorry, no, 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 that's it. I was going to say Avengers will have a beta. Um, so right. we're all, all going to get a chance to see what this is actually going to play like. Uh, it's going to be a beta, I believe, coming first to PlayStation 4 next year um, or maybe earlier this year. They haven't really said uh, when that beta will be coming, I believe. But there will also be PS4 exclusive content on the way. Of course, everyone wants that to be Spider-Man. We'll see what it actually is. I can't imagine they would prevent half the audience from playing a Spider-Man. But <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a weird, weird showing for a game that I've been so excited for just on the names of the talent attached alone since the beginning of 2017. Yeah, it like, just I'll, seemed like a slam dunk, right? Like, well, they should totally. have just taken the ball and put it in the net. And it was like, why Why and, is this the conversation And I think we all after. had that expectation that it was going to be a slam dunk. And so when it wasn't, even like the first sign that it wasn't a slam dunk, I think it just kind of snowballed yeah yeah but it was interesting jonathan because even like when when we were having a conversation about this yesterday and a lot of people like oh there hasn't been a good um marvel game or blah 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 there hasn't like apart from you know marvel ultimate alliance and and marvel vs capcom or something like you know and and marvel spider-man like you you know you should have expected it to be a bomb and it's like no it's like with exactly it's with that studio attached in particular and also with the degree of attention that is paid towards the avengers these days it has it has to be a slam dunk. You know I, what I mean? And that's why like I genuinely believe whether this game is a ten out of ten and we just haven't seen it yet, mm. or whether it is not living up to those standards yet, I do think it's a game that Marvel is going to put all the attention it needs into until it yeah. is successful. And when we say attention, we mean dollars. <laughs> yes. And uh, right now it is scheduled for a May 15th, 2020 release date. Uh, if it needs to be delayed, please feel comfortable doing that because I would like that game to come out well and not rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Especially as a game that is supposedly going to be getting updates and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. After, I don't want this to be a broken game. Exactly. Once. It sounds like they want this to be a game that lives in perpetuity a bit. Um, Which is great as long as what they... 
mean actually is not early access at launch, but mm. we won't tell you that. Exactly. That's what a lot of yeah. developers are doing. Yeah. Um, knowing that that hasn't really been the type of game Crystal's made before, they'd be a weird choice to do that type of, of game. Of course. So hoping it's not, but yeah, it's it's still an uncertain thing of where where the game goes after this and whether or not that means the campaign that we get when the game comes out will be satisfying. There are a lot of questions about it. Again, uh, Crystal uh, and Marvel, open invitation invitation on the show anytime. Please feel free to come say hi. I'm still excited for it. Me I, too. I just want to know more about yeah. it. <laughs> it it's, I wish I just had a little more clarity, but I am, I'm hopeful for it knowing who's involved with it. Uh, moving on from that, very quickly I want to mention, just because I know, Lucy, you and I talked about it a lot, but Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah. That was um, my game show. Woo. Yeah, the, mine as well. Uh, we got we each got to play. Did you play it, Tom? Yes, I did. You, you ended up playing the last day of the show, right? Very um, last appointment of the last day. Yeah, we. It was like a forty-five minute gameplay demo. We got to play and we got to check out the any NPC can become a PC, um, and see how that works. Uh, and it was fun. I got to play as a grandma. I accidentally killed her. Um, oh, yeah. I I kept my grandma alive, um, but I screwed up because I was trying to do it so, like the mission stealthily, mm. and I screwed up. And in the end, I was just like, like grandma, like it was it was it was so pure. Um, what I want to say is that uh, I really really loved Watch Dogs Legion because uh, it was it was proof of concept in play. Mm-hmm. Like I it was I was playing what. Ubisoft was promising mm-hmm. uh, that you could play as anyone. That and yeah, it was a it was a demo that had certain beats that we all experienced. But uh, in terms of being able to pick who that character was from the world, uh, we all had different experiences. Clearly, the grandma was is a favorite. She yeah. was she was she was on the t- the dead sec team from the get-go for all of us, so yes, we could all yeah. choose to play as her. Because, because they, knew, they knew she was a hit. After Helen, it was Absolutely. Um, but I had such a good time with it, and the potential in that game is just mind-blowing. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a game that's doing something very different and very exciting, and I think for that reason... That was why it was my game. Exactly. Yeah, for me too. It's I've actually never played Watch Dogs before. It's been sort of a blind spot for me this gen, but I was so hyped about it from that Mm. first demo when they couldn't tell us it was on PS4 and Xbox One, but it clearly was. Um, And I've always thought the potential of it and obviously the interconnectedness of the technology it's using could be such a fascinating gameplay technique. Um, And even just the small thing of, you know, you have the scanner as you have um, to identify every person, just like the little tidbits of information you get about each person. I think there was one, either the dev told me who was uh, doing the demo with me or I saw of, it was like punched a tree in half out of anger. It's just like one of the, and they just said the writers just have pages and pages of these like little one liners that tell you who these characters are. And just like seeding the entire world with that personality and those character traits and being able to pull those into your story is just such an exciting opportunity. Yeah. And um, also just exploring like London is just such a beautiful place to explore. And, and, and it's modern day. Well, you know, modern day London. Like it's not usually we're kind of, you know, that's you can explore Victorian London and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but this was like, no, this is the, the London that you kind of know, you know, plus that sort of alternate reality. Um, and it, it's just such a wonderful, wonderfully exciting open world. Yeah, yeah. I there's so much potential in exploring mm-hmm. this version of London um, that I'm really excited to see more of it. Yeah. Um, we do have a couple questions from readers or listeners and viewers uh, that I will want to get to in a little bit about E3, uh, E3 and games we saw and everything. But before that, uh, one little bit of other news crunch stuff uh, before one general topic I want to talk about: Last of Us Part Two's release month may have accidentally been spoiled. 
Um, Ashley Johnson appeared on a show called Between the Sheets, which is a part of the Critical Role Network. She was being interviewed by Brian W. Foster. They happened to be, you know, in a relationship. So as those interviews go, it was very fun and very light. And at one point he jokingly asks like, hey, so when's The Last of Us Part Two coming out? He's like, I I ask you all the time and you never tell me. And she goes, I think it's coming in and then stops and gets cut off. And that's all that we hear of it. But of course, that has led everyone to assume there are not too many months of the year that begin with fe- September, September this year. Oh my God. <laughs> Foyota. August. Um, so obviously the presumption is February 2020 is when Last of Us is possibly coming out. Uh, this lines up with some comments that have come out. Uh, Jason Trier from Kotaku has said this. Uh, industry analyst Daniel Ahmad has said this is sort of lines up with internal Naughty Dog uh, projections for when the game is going to come out. Naughty Dog has not said anything officially about the release date. Sony has not announced anything, obviously, when we've spoken to them before asking for comment. Um, I believe when Trier's report came out, they didn't have any response or official comment. But I think that's a reasonable time of year to come out. Uh, Sony has... Everyone kinda, else seems to think so. Yeah, yeah. the first quarter of next year is Good kind Lord. of crazy. I feel like Ubisoft may delay Gods and Monsters coming out February 25th. Um, sure. With The Last of Us coming then. <laughs> but yeah, Sony has made a really great uh, job of taking the last week or so of February and releasing a big game then, or at least planning to. Something like Days Gone was supposed to. It got delayed. But something like Horizon Zero Dawn came out that week. Uh 26th or somewhere in there. So that's been a pretty successful time of year for them. So it wouldn't be shocking to me if that actually ends up being the release date sometime in February. And and it's important to note that since they haven't announced this, even if internally February is their target, they probably haven't released it because they aren't 100% sure they're going to hit that yet. Exactly. Right? So it could easily be that they are internally targeting February and it could slip. Yep. Right. And yep. that's that happens all the time and you Absolutely. just don't hear about it and we just didn't hear that February was their internal target. So. Exactly. And I think of so course, I mean, of course they've got an internal release date. Of course. Like that they're aiming to hit. Yeah. yeah. And chances are one of the two key voice actors of the game Knows would both. probably have an idea <laughs> of when they should expect their calendar to be a bit busier. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense to me. I do think we'll, we'll see if it moves to March or April or whenever. Obviously the first Last of Us came out in June, I think the week after E3 in 2013, mm-hmm. the, the best time the industry loves when big games come out. But of course uh, it's usually a quieter time. So maybe they'll do that as a fun anniversary thing. But yeah, I don't think we'll be waiting after 2020 for Last of Us, which is nice because I just want to play that game so much. Um, <laughs> Me too. Moving on from that, though, I did want to have a, sort of a more general discussion about E3. And as I know, we are uh, l- blocked here for an hour or so. If time happens to be running out and you have other meetings to go to, I understand, such as the week after E3. If not, I'm just going to keep this train rolling and ask the very important question as you look at your phones. Don't worry, all the slacks weren't that important. I was on them, too. Um, (laughs) Good, because we're all on the same slacks. Yes, yeah. Uh, So Sony skipped E3 this year. They were not there in any sort of capacity. They had a state of play right beforehand. A couple weeks before, they had the big Death Stranding reveal beforehand. Do you think Sony not appearing at E3 when Microsoft started talking about Project Scarlet, where Nintendo had Breath of the Wild 2, et cetera, et cetera, do you think Sony skipping E3 hurt them? Or do you think it didn't really do any damage? Do you think it hurt other companies of any kind? I don't think it did. I mean, Dorno, I know that you've written a piece yes. to this degree, and and, and, yeah. and I happen to agree with you. I don't think that uh, it hurt you know, Sony uh, or PlayStation, the PlayStation brand. I think that 
I definitely felt that E3 was quieter this year and less relevant this year. I mean, it still felt hectic being part of it and being part of the grind, the E3, you know, the, the E3 mach- IGN machine. Um, but, you know, it certainly didn't feel as as vital. I think that's yeah. that's that's my takeaway. And again, you know, coupled with the sort of the feeling that some companies were kind of scrabbling to to show stuff before mm-hmm. it was ready, like Square, like we were just talking about. Um, yeah, it just it felt like it was definitely more an, an E three issue than a Sony issue. Uh, and I and I, you know, with that said, I don't think I, by all accounts. I don't think this is going to be Sony's, uh, you know, bowing out of E3. Sure. Yeah. Uh, They've never said they'll never return. Exactly. I just think it's it's more that what would have been the point of them being there this year, and especially going up against Microsoft's big next-gen console announcements. Uh, if Sony had just trotted out the same three or four games again with minor variations on what they show you know what would have been the point just being a big waste of money and a waste of everyone's time we'd all be sitting here being like why did they just do the same thing again? yeah exactly so yeah it just it for me it just it kind of just reiterated that e3 either needs to change up its format or <laughs> what's the future of e3 i don't know so i don't disagree and i also think that there's uh sony had a large presence there whether they tried mm-hmm. to or not with games like Death Stranding ahead of it and you know Final Fantasy 7 whether it's a console exclusive or permanent exclusive or whatever or not is still very much a Sony thing that people identify with PlayStation and so they kind of inadvertently had a presence there just by the games that were announced and mm-hmm. talked about even if they didn't have their own presence there uh that said just to play devil's advocate a little bit I don't think it hurt them at all from my perspective and from the perspective of covering the show and consuming all of that stuff. I am interested if it is in the perspective of somebody who is maybe a little bit more casually watching E3, somebody who just doesn't really read sites like IGN every week of every year, but during E3, they tune in and check everything out. Is that person going to have be like, oh, man, Sony's on the down, you know, like is the person who just tunes in more casually, you know, which is nothing wrong with that. I just have to like I I just have to so aggressively agree with you because um, a lot of the people who I uh, caught up with at the show who were there very casually and 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 just sort of checking it out, checking out the news beat like I was working with some more mainstream people uh, this time around um, for some extra extracurricular outside of IGN stuff. And a lot of them were just like had no idea that Sony PlayStation wasn't there right. in any kind of official capacity. Yeah, and why? Why? Yeah, I mean, really, like to them, it's to a- them, things are still appearing on PlayStation consoles. Yeah. So why I, would you know any better? Yeah, it's one of those things where the mainstream. This is. It's funny. I wrote an op-ed during E3. Um, for the Nintendo Direct that ended up not being true because we were not <laughs> expecting the Breath of the Wild reveal. Yeah. Um, but this is the like the time of year when every single mainstream outlet 
in USA Today's, Entertainment Weekly's, Hollywood Reporters, mm-hmm. all of them look at the gaming industry and wonder what's going on. And Sony not being there, I wonder if it's not like a Sony's on the downward trend, but like, huh, I guess Sony doesn't have much going on right now. Like, right. And the one caveat I would say is, since we're probably not expecting PS5 to launch before next E3, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll hurt them too much in the long run. Um, because especially they are kind of, I think they skipped because they know this fall is going to be, you know, there's Death Stranding, but other than that, it's the medieval remake. It's Concrete Genie, the things that aren't necessarily the marquee AAA. This is why people bought a PlayStation necessarily as, as good as those things can look. Um, so I, I do think it, it may have some like short term ramifications for the mainstream, but I think if Sony continues to have a presence and they probably will when it comes to next gen, it, it probably won't hurt them too much in the long run. I would guess. Yeah, I don't think it's... I think taking a year off is a very smart move, and I think if Sony's back next year, that's awesome. I anticipate that they will be. I think feeling how dead West Hall was this year, too, like without the Sony booth there, and especially without Sony and Microsoft there, just it was such a ghost town in comparison. So, yeah. Literally, because Luigi's Mansion was there. But just just to... uh, give you guys a for those who have never been to E3 and, and don't really understand you know there's there's West Hall and South Hall are the big ones and, and South Hall tends to be where all the uh, you know sort of the the Bethesda's and the Ubisoft's uh, all gather and then West Hall was always Nintendo Sony Microsoft yeah and without Sony and Microsoft there it was like there's Nintendo tumbleweeds there was the the other big booths there were Oculus. Nintendo. Oculus was there, but they were mostly showing off a lot of stuff that we'd already seen. It was mostly just like a presence thing. Sega was there, and Sega had a pretty dang cool booth, but it was also a little bit of like things we've seen. And then X Seed was had a had a pretty nice showing. Yeah. And then everything else was like Geico Gaming and things that very much felt like they were there for industry folk and no one else. Yeah. It was it was a very stark difference from years past where Sony takes over, I'd say, close to half of West Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if anything, to me, the ESA is probably like, okay, how low do we have to go to make sure they get a booth space next year? <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's I think, the thing that uh, we talked about this on, on the in the hotel, which you guys will hear on Drunk Beyond, but um, the... The <laughs> sorry, everyone. Terry Schwartz, our entertainment uh, editor in chief, almost just, just barged in cheeky little face. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about this a little bit on Drug Beyond. But um, yeah, I, I think that this definitely hurt. Regardless of whether it hurt Sony or not, it definitely hurt the ESA and E3 more than Sony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. That's yeah. You can read my piece. It's probably if you're watching this on IGN.com. Uh, connected to that piece this video but um yeah i very much to me i think the biggest loser of sony not being there is the esa and Mm -hmm. e3 in general um because as big as some of the other topics were this year it was sort of a down year overall and so to have even one of the biggest three console makers gone makes it down even more what's interesting a fun fact from the hollywood reporter twitter spoke to them about like the biggest tweeted about companies of the year um Sony was among the top three most tweeted about publishers during E3. Yeah. And they weren't even there. So, I mean, at least in terms of, like, you know, the online community talking about games constantly. There's it's no, like, do you know what it was like? It was like the coolest kid in school skipping prom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like. I sure didn't skip prom. It, it definitely proved... I didn't have a prom because uh, I'm from New Zealand. Ours so. was on a boat. Ooh. It was on a boat that sailed around uh, Manhattan... And that sounds really fancy and cool, but the reason we did that 
and not have it at like our actual high school or somewhere else was because the year before a bunch of kids rented a house in the Hamptons after prom and just got blasted mm-hmm. <laughs> and they got so in trouble that the school took measures to be like, okay, we're not going to allow kids to go off on their own after prom. So it was like, it's on a boat so they can't escape off. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. You can't leave early. And then like you're, that's clever. You had to have a parent come pick you up. All those yeah. kids, those Hampton yeah. kids ruined it for all of you. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. They had one fun weekend and then everyone had, I mean, like the boat's cool. Don't get me wrong, but it, yeah, but you're yeah, still it was, stuck on it st- with your teachers. Yeah. You're stuck yeah. on a boat with it. It was a Catholic high school. So you're stuck uh-huh. on a boat with a bunch of like clerical members <laughs> and, and <laughs> the, the glee club teacher. And it's not te- exactly a crazy party. The teachers in this instance, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I know. I know. <laughs> the teachers in this metaphor are, uh, Mario and Sonic go to the Olympic Games 2020. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, there. Okay. that's pretty much what that is. Cool. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely a weird year. I don't think it's going to stop Sony from being at E3 next year necessarily, given next gen will be such a big, important thing. Um, we talked about a little bit uh, on Drunk Beyond just in general in the office, but like the Project Scarlet unveiling this year, I don't think was the like knock it out of the park thing it needed to be for Xbox. Definitely wasn't. No. And especially because their talking points were so similar to what Sony talked about in that Wired uh, article where they debuted the next gen was happening for them and it was solid state drive faster load times backward compatibility even if it's with more generations there than it may be with playstation it was still this you know the talking points were very similar they basically said everything in that microsoft conference about project scarlet that they did in the article that came out for ps5 or whatever it was was almost like a one-to-one sort of thing yeah so they just microsoft also had like a fancy kind of annoying video cut together with it that didn't really tell anybody anything and then five hours later we had to see if bethesda did anything crazy right it it was weirdly it felt like it was one of the biggest topics of course on ign during e3 but project scarlet felt weirdly anticlimactic yes the fact that they didn't show anything was just kind of surprising yeah just halo yeah which don't get me wrong looked awesome oh yeah yeah yeah. and and you know especially with the sort of the promise uh that it was going to be a actual console Mm -hmm. um yet we didn't see an actual console it just felt like them going Yep, we're doing that too. Cool yep. guys. We're gonna yeah. do it one we'll, someday. We'll soon. talk about it later. And I think like Here's both the of talking them, heads. Because everyone loves that. I think the funniest thing for me about that video, and it's not a knock against PlayStation where they are right now or where Xbox is going, like I still think next gen is anyone's game in terms mm. of who can mm-hmm. end up being the console leader because there's no clear cut which box will be better. Of course, like I can say I like PlayStation exclusives more than I like Xbox exclusives currently, but I also loved Halo and played that all the damn time. And you bet I'm going to eventually get a, whatever Scarlet is to play Halo Infinite, probably. Mm, so. Just get a PC. Never. Um, <laughs> so yeah, E3, obviously, there was a lot to talk about, even without Sony there. Uh, we have that Drunk Beyond where you can listen to a lot more. I will say I haven't said yet on the show. Not not for the kids. Um, yes. It, it's not extremely vulgar. Um but there are some curses in there, so just keep an eye out, ear out for that. You can't keep an eye All out for right. the curses. Get, I hexed get, Lucy. You did. It you was put, pretty impressive. You put the liquor in the in the people, and they get cursing. I'd just like to say I was drinking Earl Grey tea and nothing else. Tom, Tom was our he designated was. podcast. I was on the show. <laughs> Look, I may have had two drinks, but I remember what you what said. What were we drinking? <laughs> we were drinking uh, Moscow Mules. Moscow Mules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was my go-to when I first moved to San Francisco because someone was like, "You should try this," and I did, and I enjoyed it, and I just never chose another drink. And they was they were strong <laughs> Moscow Mules. Oh yeah, well. yeah. They they were like, "Oh, all these nerds are finally leaving us. Let's just no, get them out just of here. Can yeah. get rid of the alcohol uh, while we're at it." Um, 
Yeah, bars don't need that stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to quickly do some rapid fire. Uh, I reached out for questions from the group, the Podcast Beyond Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. You can go there, ask us questions, hang out with the group, talk about what you're playing, all these things. Uh, one question I did want to bring up completely out of left field and also just get uh, fun reactions. Jess asked, top five features you want to see in a Vita or PSP successor? and I have the unfortunate news to break to just that there probably will not be one. But if there was, give me one. Just give me one feature you'd want in a new Sony. Just unlimited relations. Relations. (laughs) Unlimited relationships between... this the the Sony between Sony and third party support for that machine. That's what I want. Like, I just want it to be a switch. <laughs> just a yeah, just a, a a Sony switch. A Sony switch. Yeah, that's my feature. Tom, what about you? I'd like a touchscreen, a little kickstand, removable controllers. I'd like it to plug into a dock to work on your TV. Ooh, interesting. And I'd like it to have Super Mario Maker. T- <laughs> So basically, the answer is for both of us. Make it a switch. Make Make it a switch, switch, please. (laughs) That's really mean. I don't know. I I just just don't know where you. I mean, that's unfortunately like also my real answer is I like don't have a desire for another handheld. I don't want, and that's not against Sony either. I don't want Nintendo to make another handheld because I'm really scared that they'll be like the 4DS and like come out with something like that. <laughs> you can smell Mario yeah. now. And I, no, thank you. I don't want, I like, I'm, I'm just want the Switch to live. I know there will be other handhelds in the future and that's fine. But for now, I just want the Switch the, to live. Um, why can't I think of the name? The little yellow crank thing. Oh, Playdate? Playdate, yeah. Playdate looks Playdate. cool. Yeah, Playdate looks cool. Yeah. Uh, Jordan asked, what are you doing to unwind post E3? I went to Six Flags Magic Mountain. Did you have a good time? I had such a good time. Was now, you- for anyone who's planning to go there, <laughs> here are just a couple of tips. Get the Flash Pass. It's worth the extra money. Uh, and ride X2 and, and like, Satsu, I think is how you pronounce it. Ride those two coasters, make those two your priority, but also don't do them back to back because they're both the most intense coasters in the park and you will like just, it'll be too much. So take a break, maybe ride the Twisted Colossus in between the two, but make sure you ride those two. That's what you do to unwind? Well, listen, (laughs) it was, I went with my girlfriend, we went on like a romantic theme park getaway and I hadn't seen her in like nine days, so... It was kind of like, uh, you know, it was kind of that more of a vibe than an unwinding vibe. Uh, But it's still, you know, I was exercising some E3 demons with Mm. that amount of adrenaline pumping through my body. It was a really good time. Yeah. Tom, what about you? I slept a lot. I just didn't move for like Mm. three days and it was great. I kind of hurt my hip when I was walking around E3 Mm. and I just like spent a couple of days just like playing video games Mm -hmm. and hanging out and it was real good. Sounds good. I... Woke up the day after E3 ended to learn that my dog was sick for the weekend. So I have not unwound just yet. He's better now. Um, Loki is okay. But it, uh, yeah, was not the most unstressful weekend for me, non-stressful weekend. So, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to next weekend to rest a little bit. Um, <laughs> Edgar asks, Keanu Reeves or Chuck Norris? Quick answers. Oh, no, sh- no explanation. Keanu Reeves by, like, there's not even... Like, I would <laughs> choose a lot of people over Chuck Norris. I think you offended Lucy with that question. Like Keanu, yes. Yeah, I'm with her. You Keanu as well? Yeah, I'm going to say Keanu also. Uh, moving on from that, Mike asks, if Beyond had a game and a stage show at E3, what random celebrity would you have presented? Let's take Keanu out of it because obviously he's a, good, he's a good answer. Who would you have present 
a game at Beyond's E3 press conference 2020? I'm going to go with Chrissy Teigen because she's really funny. Yeah, she'd be really good. And I just think she's hilarious. And I think that her presenting anything is just such great value. That's my answer. I'm going to go for Christopher Walken. Nice. That's good. And specifically Christopher Walken playing his character in the hit Adam Sandler movie Click where he plays the guy in the beyond section in the back. Wow, that's so specific. I mean, but like, I I am also very much like of the opinion that like you have one celebrity that's non-related to the industry and the rest of the time you have industry figures. Sure, yeah. But you have the one token celeb because who everyone loves a good celeb. You get Mr. Caffeine. Yeah. But then you get also the developers. Um, I would choose John Mulaney. Oh, that's a good one too. But in character as... uh, I think he's George St. Geeglin. I'm going to look it up. But as his character from Oh Hello on Broadway. Not this, Spider-Ham? Not as Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham would make a cameo talking to his character. Okay, okay. okay fair, fair, fair. He, he would be <laughs> this old acerbic New Yorker man. Who, yep. Yeah. I would I pick... I'm, I'm going back. I'm going to pick Tobey Maguire... Uh, Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland all together. Okay, I know. I'm just going to do and one Yuri more. And Yuri four in a row. <laughs> I'm going to do Jinx Monsoon from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5. <laughs> We're getting way off. She's a massive gamer and uh, also that's cool. just, in, again, incredibly funny and like wonderful on stage. There you go. Now you have a whole list to choose from. We have five celebrities there. If anybody five of the presenter, well, like four with you. If any of the people we listed are listeners, come on the show. Please come on the show. Please any- come on the show. Jinx come on that's my that's all i've got come on come on like what's that character <laughs> gil from the simpsons like <laughs> throw me a bone I, I really gil really needs this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lucy really needs this joke you guys uh, morgan asks blood and truth was number one physical release in its launch week in the uk is psvr entering the mainstream at last or is it showing the decline in physical sales i would argue neither and more so that i i PSVR is getting bigger. You know, it's sold, I think, around 5 million were the last numbers, 4.92 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely selling well. I wouldn't say that's mainstream yet, but it is becoming more popular. Blood and Truth came out at a relatively quieter time of year. It is also set in Europe. And, you know, people love to see things where they're from. If a movie comes out in New York, you bet I was always at that movie. And if it <laughs> takes place in New York. Yep. I stood you up and cheered. The second I see the Statue of Liberty, I'm like, yeah, I visit that every day. New York. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's necessarily emblematic of both of those. I do think it's great to see that health for PSVR happening mm-hmm. right now. Um, and I definitely think we're going to continue to see PSVR support, especially if they can make games like that. Um, but yeah, I don't – what do you both think? I, I, no, I totally agree. I also think that it just speaks to the power of like – polished big budget looking vr games will get eyes on them right like no no offense to anything like trover and falcon age and those games are are great but blood and truth has a dude with a gun on the box and is looks a little more mainstream i don't know if that means psvr is getting more mainstream but that is just visually a game that kind of appeals to the Call of Duty gamer more than a game like Falcon Age might. and It looks like yeah. the poster for a Jason Statham movie right. that you get to play. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, you get to choose, but exactly. it appeals to a wider audience. Yeah, I think there was there was market research a few years back where it was like box, uh, box art that traditionally has people's faces on it, like human faces will sell exponentially better than even the most beautiful box art you can find. Like yeah. Well-crafted art will always lose out to, oh, that's a face. I know I'm going to be a person in that game. 
Um, last but not least, Nathan asks, what do you think the timing of the next state of play is and what should Sony's strategy be after missing an underwhelming E3? Uh, he asked if that was the right move. We talked about the, that a bit. Mostly I wanted to ask, ask this because I truly believe in between us recording and this posting, they'll announce the next state of play. So I just want to have on record how wrong we are. So when do you think the next state of play is going to be? I mean, I think it, it, it should be relatively soon. I think that the Last of Us is definitely poised to to have a presence, uh, have, have another marketing hit very soon. Um, I'm not sure when will that. What be was that? Because Gamescom, it was six or seven weeks. Do we know? If so we're right at the time for a new one. Is Sony yeah. going to be at Gamescom? We don't know. Uh, they haven't officially said. I don't believe whether or not. Mm. Um, it's one of those ones where it's like if they missed E3, it's a good opportunity. Uh, Gamescom is for reference to August 21st to the 24th this year. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll get a state of play in the next next within the next month. That's yeah. for sure. I would say probably before Comic Con would be my guess. Yeah. Sometime early July, uh, probably the Monday after July Fourth weekend, just to make it a fun time to come back <laughs> after a long weekend. Um, but yeah, I think we're gonna get one pretty soon. And I think especially because the most of, if not all, the games from the first state of play have pretty much come out at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Crash Team Racing is kind of like the last AAA one that was in that first direct, or that first state of play, God. Um, <laughs> and so I think that's kind of emblematic of, hey, that last one's out of style. The one before it still, you know, there's stuff to come, but that a lot of that stuff is 2020. Let's see what else you have. Um, so I think we'll get one pretty soon. Um, other than that, I have a memory card to read, uh, if you two don't mind sticking around for this. Tom, give me a memory card. Jingle. Um, uh, do, 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 it's a memory card. Bah. Thank you. Uh, I just finish it off for you. Now, uh, as I keep looking for the one I wanted, Lucy, you give me another memory card jingle and tell me you finished the <laughs> jingle for her in reverse. My name's memory card and I'm here to say, um, something, 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 place in memories your way. I don't know. I hated what I just did. <laughs> if I could like, if I could just reverse time and undo what I just nope, did. Nope, it's all it's all on the show. Um, We're recording this straight to plastic, sending them out on vinyls to all the listeners, like we do every week. It's done. The the records are being pressed <laughs> as we speak. The collector's edition. Yeah, vinyl. Yeah, head to uh, twitter.com slash jmdornbush to find out purchase details. <laughs> Uh, make sure to subscribe. That's how I get subscribers now. I just lie about vinyl editions of this show. <laughs> um, this memory card comes from Liam. Liam wrote in with the headline memory card, Love, Marriage, and Treasure. I do want to preface this by saying this has Uncharted for a Thief's End spoilers. Oh. So if you have not played Uncharted the Thief's for a Thief's End, have you played it, Tom? No. You haven't? No. Oh, no. Should I leave? Oh, I didn't expect this. I, I thought you had. No. I don't want to ruin this for you. I'll leave. I can find another. No, I'll leave. Read that one. You're not going to start that one and then leave that guy hanging. I'm just going to leave. That's true. I, I'm going to feel really bad. I'm going to join the six other people listening who have not joined it, and I'm going to leave. So it was lovely being on. Enjoy your memory. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks, Lucy, Tom. With me. I'm here. Um, I obviously played Uncharted 4. I, I'm a failure. I'm sorry. Goodbye. It's okay. Go play Uncharted 4 right now. Doing it.
Liam wrote, Beyond, choosing which of my PlayStation memories to share was a tough ask. Over 20 years, my interactive experiences have influenced my relationships, personalities, and worldviews. I've overcome grief, slaved off de- uh, staved excuse me, off depression, formed friendships, experienced different cultural perspectives and world histories, all with Snake, Jack, Crash, Kratos, Gabe, Joel, and all my other avatars. However, the memory card I'm going to express is more recent and about love. My wife is not a gamer. With the exception of a temporary Super Mario 64 obsession, she's never seen the value of diving into a digital world and immersing yourself in another character's dramas until she saw me playing Uncharted 2. She loved watching me play Uncharted 2. The combination of accessible storytelling, blockbuster production, and a hot dude in wet jeans was all the hook she needed. So I invited her to play through Uncharted 1 with me. Very simple rules. When you die or see a chapter title, you pass the controller. Since then, we have played through the trilogy in the style countless times. Her camera control is still awful, but she shared my hobby, and I get genuine delight in seeing her—excuse uh, me—in seeing her say next to me, getting joy from a medium that has given me so much. I think sit next to me. Yeah. Mm. When Uncharted Four came out, we were ridiculously excited. We were all ready for an amazingly epic game about treasure hunting, shooting guns, and solving puzzles. Shooting goons, also. What we got instead was an insanely well-written and beautifully acted story of how to build a strong marriage with treasures, goons, and puzzles on top. Playing Nate and Elena's story together as husband and wife was so special. Nate's refusal to understand how his wife makes him stronger. Elena's initial failure to see what drives him, how they are stronger together. These failings are so real and so human. The third act of Uncharted 4, where these two start to understand each other again, was utterly joyful to play, and I felt like we went through the journey with them. Again, spoilers coming up for Uncharted 4 Thief's End. When Elena did the death fake out after escaping Avery's tunnel, we seriously couldn't hold our shit together. God, the tears. I could have killed Druckmann and Straley for that. Joke, those guys rock. These characters were so real to us, and our emotional attachment is so strong that it was a while before our heart rates recovered enough to continue playing. Don't even get me started on how utterly perfect that epilogue was. We were just a big old ball of tears during that sequence. Side note, when we saw Booksmart this weekend and realized that Caitlin Deaver also played Cassie Drake, we felt like such proud parents. Uh, thank you, Liam, for sharing that story with us. That is a lovely um, story, Liam. And also, um, play Uncharted 4 if you haven't already. It's a great game. Also, check out Booksmart if you haven't already. Yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, two great recommendations mm-hmm. from one memory card story. Uh, thank you so much, Liam, for sending that in for everyone else who has. We have a lot of memory cards to catch up on, uh, but please keep sending them in. You can send new memory card stories to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card in it so I know what it's for. You can also, of course, send questions for Rapid Fire. Put that in the subject line as well. General comments, whatever. We'll read them on the show as they become pertinent and whatnot. Uh, My inbox is a bit full from E3, so sorry if you sent anything during that week, but we'll see for the weeks to come. Again, that's beyond at IGN.com. This has been Beyond Episode 595. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. You can find me at JM Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram, uh, posting more photos of my dog now that he is healthy and wonderful again. Uh, and Good. Nipping at all the grass in the yard. Lucy, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at L-U-C-E, Luce, O-B-R-I-E-N, O'Brien. Luce O'Brien at Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's that's... That's it. And Tom is at Tom R. Marks. Again, I don't know what the R stands for, but I will find out one day. He's also got a great, like, pie Instagram uh, called Bow Pies. Bow Tie Pies? Bow Pies. Bow Pies. Just Bow Pies. Oh, Bow Pies. Bow Pies. That yes. actually makes more sense than the one that I just said. That's why we pay Tom the bucks. That's it. Um, of course. And me, no bucks. 
you it's weird you work for free but I do, it's crazy it's I, and yet I yeah. turn up to work yeah. every day still it's it's amazing well what? actually you're going on vacation so that's true we're going to talk about how you found the money for the vacation anyway yeah. um, of course beyond is live every Wednesday at 3pm pacific at beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash IGN beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world thank you so much for watching for listening for paying attention to all of our craziness during E3 and as always beyond beyond Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.